0: Hey guys, Pastor Marcus here. Welcome to the Pomo Pastor podcast, where our focus is going to be how to optimize your local Adventist church. I hope you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to make a difference in your local church today. Hey, what's up guys? It's Pastor Marcus here. And today I want to talk about what a tour in Iraq taught me about church growth. Yeah, that's right. If you didn't know it, uh, before I was a pastor, I was actually a soldier. Uh, I was stationed in Hawaii for most of the time that I was in the army, but I did have a tour in Iraq back in 2009. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but what I've discovered, you know, looking back at the lessons that I learned from being in a combat zone, is that there's actually a lot of carryover between the kind of tactics and things you have to do in a physical war and the kind of tactics and things you have to do in a spiritual war as well. There's not an exact carryover, but there is a carryover. And so this week, what I want to do is I want to share with you guys perhaps the most urgent of all the lessons that I learned being in a combat zone and and how that lesson applies to the church. And I think this is perhaps one of the most important lessons or most urgent lessons that we as local Adventist churches need to learn uh, in order to be effective in the mission that God has given us. So here is the, the, the most urgent lesson that I learned being a soldier in Iraq. I learned many things, but this is the most urgent one. And it's that elasticity is way more important than familiarity. Now what do I mean by that? Familiarity is the things that you're comfortable with, the things that you can wrap your head around, the things that you're familiar with, that you know how to do really well. Elasticity is the ability to adapt and to change with the movements that are transpiring around you. And so why was this important in Iraq? It was important because we were facing an enemy that was extremely intelligent. They would sit back and study us, and study us, and study us, and study us. They would learn all of our movements, they would learn all of our patterns, they would learn all of our tactics. And it wasn't that they were looking for weak points in those tactics, they simply wanted to learn what the patterns were. And then once they knew the patterns, they could exploit us uh, because they knew us so well. And so, for example, I'll give you guys an example. Um, One of the things that I developed in Iraq was convoy security. And with convoy security, you've got a a row of hummers, you know, armored hummers with, with, you know, 50 caliber rifles um, escorting, you know, civilian trucks, personnel, equipment, that kind of thing. And typically the way we did a convoy was, each vehicle was at a specific length behind the vehicle in front of them and this specific length repeated itself. Every single vehicle was at the same exact length from every single vehicle in the convoy until the enemy from a distance was able to study and identify the distances between each convoy. And so what they began doing was they began creating what was known as a daisy chain IED, a daisy chain improvised explosive device. And what they would do is they would plant bombs along the side of the road at the same exact distance from one another that each of the vehicles were. And when that convoy went through, when they detonated the first bomb against the first Hummer, every other bomb would detonate against every other Hummer as well because they were at the same exact distance. And so what we learned from that was if we wanted to stay one step ahead of the enemy then we had to forget about the things we were familiar with, the tactics we were comfortable with and we were used to. And we had to develop elasticity. Elasticity, like I said earlier, is the ability to adapt, to change, to to, to tweak. And that's what we had to do. And so pretty much the whole time I was there, there was no tactic that was repeated. We would change the distances in our convoys, we would change the maneuvers, we would change the way in which we did just about everything. It was kind of a cat-and-mouse game, but what I learned was that elasticity was the only thing that helped us to stay one step ahead of the enemy because they weren't able to figure us out. Now, what I'm sharing with you guys in this video is actually part of the, the new blog that I posted on, on my blog this week, and and this is what I shared in this blog, that this is what the church needs to learn how to do. We need to develop elasticity. It's the ability to adapt to whatever happens and be able to count what's happening with you know with with adaptability now of course I'm not talking about theology here I'm talking about our methods I'm talking about the things that we do in order to reach people so for example here are three areas in which I feel our church hasn't adapted and it's hurting us really bad number one back in the day you could set up an evangelistic series in a church and almost the whole town would come out you were the biggest show in town people wanted to know what you were saying and what was going on and this was the way in which you did evangelism, right? You, you, you'd advertise it, you put some brochures out there, you'd put up a banner, and, and people would invite their friends, and, and the town would come out to see, you know, what's the big deal, what's going on here? We saw this a lot with Billy Graham, who would set up a tent in the middle of anywhere, and lots of people would come. However, the world is not like that anymore. There's so many entertainment options, and people are so much busier than they used to be, That that kind of evangelistic approach, you know, creating an event-centered sort of model of evangelism where we think if we just put the right brochures out there and the right advertisement that people will come, those days are over. Maybe in some towns it might still kind of work. But overall, it's a dead method. And yet it's a method that I see churches repeating over and over and over again. And they wonder, you know, why aren't people coming? You know, why, why aren't people connecting? And, and people get disillusioned with evangelism because they don't think it works. It's not that it doesn't work. It's that that method, the devil has studied that method. He's gotten good at counteracting that method. And we haven't done anything to adapt to the things that he's thrown in the way to make that method useless. And so that's one of the areas where I think, look, we need to develop a whole new style of doing evangelism that is, that is less centralized in some event that requires people to come every day for two weeks. I mean, who has time for that anymore, right? And, and we need to develop creative ideas. And I talk about that in the blog a little bit more. I don't necessarily think I have the answer, but we need to sit down and we need to think about how we can make evangelism work for people regardless of all the obstacles that, are, that we face right now. The second one is this, Bible workers. I love Bible workers. I have a great Bible worker in one of my churches, man. He's an awesome guy, love his ministry. But here's the thing. Uh, from talking to people who, who do literature evangelism, Bible working, you know, going door to door isn't what it used to be. There's an increase now in these private estates where you can't get in, right? They're all, all the houses are fenced off. And, and with the increase of people moving into cities and living in these high rises, where you need security access just to get in the building and if you don't need security access there's there's you know like you need a code or something. There's a security guard and you know in the foyer who asks you, you know, who are you here to see? And if you tell them, oh I'm a Bible worker, I'm here to knock on everyone's door and tell them about Jesus and sell books, you're not getting in, right? They're gonna kick you out. And so Now here, don't misunderstand me. I still think going door to door is, it matters, and it does make a difference in lots of people's lives. and, And I know that that personal touch is something that can't be replicated anywhere else. So I'm not saying that that needs to stop. What I'm saying is that Bible workers need to increase the level of skills that they have one of the areas that i think all bible workers should be trained in because they go to these schools right to study how to be a literature evangelist how to be bible worker, they need to be trained in social media evangelism they need to be trained on how to use facebook how to use instagram how to use twitter right how to become experts on these social platforms so that they can reach the communities that they're working in with more effectiveness i know for me as a pastor i would love it if I had a Bible worker that was really good at using social media, that would be a huge blessing for the church because, let's face it, most people only know how to do the basic things. And so this is an example of how the, you know, the, the, the culture is changing, the world is changing, the tactics that we used before that were so good are starting to get less and less effective, and yet we just keep doing it like, like nothing's changing. And so we need to adapt and we need to, we need to train our Bible to be more effective in the modern digital age that we're in. Last one is this. Last one is this. When evangelism started, you know, when Adventists began doing evangelism back in the day, the vast majority of our audience were Christian. Okay? And so there wasn't too much, you know, there were definitely differences, you know, like present truth and things like that. There were definitely differences, but they weren't like at the level of where you had to start from the ground, very, very basics, right? People believed in God. They believed in Jesus. You know, if they were traditional um, uh, Protestants, they believed in the perpetuity of the law, Uh, all these different things, right, that we shared in common. And so you found the common ground and you were able to take them through present truth. And then people would say, oh, you know what? This is beautiful. I didn't know this before. I want to join your church. That's how it used to work. Nowadays in the Western world, the vast majority of our audience is not traditional protestant christian there is an increase in the post-christian demographic the post-modern demographic the meta-modern demographic that is now emerging right there is this increase in in people who have absolutely no affiliation to church whatsoever it's this secular society and so the problem is from my perspective is that when i look at the content of our evangelistic messages it's the same stuff we've been preaching since 100 years ago it hasn't adapted to meet the people with the questions that they have. For example, I'll give you guys an example because I work, you know, I have a lot of secular people that I try and connect with. I work in Australia. It's a very secular country. Here's, here's, here's a perfect question. Um, in one of our evangelists, I remember we were looking at an evangelistic series, and I preached the same one years ago, um, and, I, and I have seen it, you know, used again since. One of the sermons, one of the, the, the key sermons in the whole series is titled, Why So Many Denominations? right and the series explores why there's so many different christian denominations in the world the problem is i don't know any secular person that gives two hoots about why there's so many denominations they don't even know what a denomination is in fact i worked with a guy a few years ago who was a typical secular australian guy bright guy he was a doctor and i told him that i was you know i was working you know for this doctor you know before i became a pastor and i told him oh look i'm not going to be here much longer because Conference has hired me. I'm going to be a pastor. He looked at me. He said, "What's a pastor?" <laughs> and so I said, "It's kind of like a chaplain, right? Except I don't work in a hospital. I work in a church." And he said, "What, what does a chaplain do?" <laughs> the dude was clueless. Right? He had no idea. A, a sermon on why there are so many denominations, or 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 how the Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday. Nobody cares, right? Now I'm not saying that those topics aren't important. I'm saying that we're still leading with these questions and with these ideas that we feel are important and nobody else does. And so our content needs to adapt. Um, Again, I'm not saying our theology needs to change. Our content, how we deliver, what we lead with, needs to adapt to the questions that people actually have nowadays, to the things they actually find meaningful and relevant. And so again, these are just a few examples, guys. I'm not claiming to be like the guru here, but the point that I'm trying to make is that if we don't become elastic, In the way in which we do ministry, evangelism, outreach, we are going to continue to fail at reaching emerging generations because the world is constantly changing and and we're just continuing to do the same stuff and it's clear that it's not working, but we're not changing. And so my challenge to, to you, my challenge to anyone watching this video is, listen, our message is beautiful, you know, uh, yes, we continue to grow in our understanding of it, but I'm not advocating for, you know, that we need to change our message. No way. What I'm saying is we need to change our methods because our methods are no longer effective. The, the enemy has studied our methods and has created so many counter tactics to make those methods ineffective. And yet we're still sitting here doing the same stuff. If we did that in Iraq, we would have had a lot of casualties. And so guys, that's my challenge for you today. Be students of the culture, think outside of the box, find ways in which we can reach people that are out of the ordinary so that we can develop a culture of elasticity that is adaptable and moldable and able to meet any challenge anywhere at any time. Well, that's all I've got time for today. But if you want some more, just come hang out at com. Thanks again for spending some time listening to the podcast. I'll catch you on the next one.